Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the JT Health Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by my sister, Jen, who is wonderfully open and honest throughout this whole conversation, sharing her early battles with her mental health and also touching on her diagnosis of bipolar earlier this year at the age of 32. In this episode, we touch on things that have really helped Jen over the years, things like meditation, medication, spirituality, and much, much more. I think anybody who listens to this episode is going to take home a unbelievable amount of value, whether it's with your own struggles with mental health or whether it's your ability to support somebody else and relate to somebody else who's battling with their own. I really, really hope you enjoy this episode. Please, if you do enjoy it, subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, let me know what you think, but let's get started. I hope you enjoy. So thanks again for coming on, Jen, because when I started this podcast, you were the first person that I thought of to get on as a guest, because I think your story is so powerful i think anybody who listens to this conversation is going to take so much value from it and benefit from it so much purely because if you're going through your own journey it can just be nice sometimes to hear someone else's and hear what's helped them and, and what they've been through and even if you're not going through your own battle with mental health you'll know somebody that is And maybe you struggle to relate to them. Maybe you don't know what to say to them. Maybe you um, don't know what to advise them on what might help them. So I really think um, this is going to be one of the best episodes of this podcast. Um, I want to start it off by, because I was thinking about this, you know, obviously growing up, I didn't think too much about mental health. We would be outside all the time. Yeah, we would strop and fight. You would do most of the stropping. But <laughs> but we 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 didn't really have a, a concept of it. And then it seemed like it came around all at once, didn't it? And it was this like yeah, um this snowball that was going downhill and just getting bigger and bigger as it went. And um I wanted to ask you, do you remember the first time that you kind of thought about mental health or questions your own and do you remember how you dealt with it at that time Mm. so I think initially um like sort of thinking back it's there was probably a, a couple of years before I did think about you know my own mental health or what it was to have a mental health condition or whether it was possible that I had a mental health condition um but I think it was probably around the age of about 16, maybe 17. Um, And I knew something was not right or, you know, different. Um, But I didn't know whether it was something that everybody felt. So it was really hard to pinpoint how to go about that and who, you know, if if I'd speak to somebody about it, you know, are they going to say, oh, that's just completely normal? when in my head it felt very different so it was um it was scary at that time to to sort of be honest maybe with myself about 
what was really going on in my mind um, and in my body uh, and, you know, impulses that I had and feelings that I had. Um, yeah, they were, it was tricky. Um, but yeah, I would say it was about, about 16, 17. So it was just after sort of leaving school um, and starting college. And looking back, I mean, during high school, it was definitely there. You know, I, I had real ups and downs during my teenage years. Um, but it was only when I think at the, the sort of first ever real, real sort of depressive episode that I thought, right, well, you know, something's got to give it. And I was very reluctant um, to do anything about it. Maybe it'll just pass. Maybe it's just a phase. Like, you know, kids go through phases. Um, and, yeah, it, it just got to a point where I thought to myself, if I don't speak up now, and it's, it wasn't necessarily speaking up because I didn't necessarily address it with mum or dad um, or even you or, or Chris, you know, I, I didn't really, mm. I wasn't open with, with you guys about how it was that I was actually feeling, but I, I did, I did get some help in, in the way of therapy um, at, at, around that age through the GP uh, and that's where it sort of started. So yeah, I would say about 17, 16, mm. 17 was the, was the pinpoint, shall we say? Yeah, I definitely think it was much harder at that point to come out and speak about it because um, it was less known. There was mm -hmm. still there was still that generation that maybe thought, just get on with it. You know, are you just having a bad day? They didn't. Yeah. They couldn't quite comprehend that it might be something deeper than that. So okay. the journey from feeling it and and going through all those emotions to actually being able to tell someone to then being able to get therapy because maybe even the therapists at that point were behind what was going yeah. on in the young yeah. generation's mind at that point. So yeah, I uh, I always there throughout the whole process and remember gradually realizing you know um that you were battling something and at the time maybe not being able to comprehend it myself um but obviously just wanting to support in whatever way I could and obviously since that point there's been huge ups and downs for you it's been a real roller coaster ride with plenty of highs as well um but yeah, some yeah, some, some really yeah. difficult phases throughout where I've mm. seen you really have to dig deep and um you know fight and work Find through strength, isn't it? Mm -hmm. and Finding strength, yeah. that's why I think uh this has been th this chat is going to be so important because no matter what point you've been at I've really just seen you reach for strength time and time again and, and work your way through it no matter what point you've hit and that kind of brings mm -hmm. me nicely onto my next question so I actually want to fast forward to around it was around this time last year wasn't it I'd say you went through a phase then which I don't know if you would agree but I feel is that the lowest or hardest point 
um, that I've seen you at. Um, And I wanted to ask you, like, when you look back now, how do you feel about that time? Um, Because it was, uh, there was a lot going on. I remember Mm. you'd stopped eating, you were feeling really low, struggling, actually, like, your body was kind of shutting down, wasn't it? It, it was kind of yeah, fight, fight, right. fighting against the natural instincts of a human body. It didn't want food. It didn't really want to sleep. And it was a really difficult time. When you look back now, how do you feel about it? I mean, obviously, I feel, you know, I'm in a miles better place now. Um, but it's it feels extremely real, obviously, um, but also like, it almost never happened and that was a general pattern I think with those periods of my life is that I'd at the time feel like I was going to feel like that forever and always come through the other side but never know that I actually would so obviously having come through the other side it's it it's nice to be able to look back and and know that hanging on and and finding that strength and really digging deep and doing the work um was worth it mm-hmm. because it's led me to a lot of positive things you know to come out of the other side of of being so low mm-hmm. um but yeah when I when I think about it, it is it, I mean it's a blur uh you know I remember specifics and I remember like you say the the fact that my body was was what my I would, it was my body and mind were were battling every day, and the non eating to the point of you know not not like physically trying to swallow was not happening mm. and you know you got you remember yourself at times I'd be with you and and you know I'd have a little tiny saucer of food <laughs> I'd bring I'd try and bring you more food than I knew you would eat each day just yeah, to so try. you could eat the leftovers <laughs> well I always ate the leftovers but you know you'd end up eating a piece of broccoli and uh half a turkey yeah. fillet but um yeah. obviously first and foremost this is a health podcast and um health means many different things it could be physical health it could be uh mental health there's lots of different elements that fall under health um but i just remember thinking as a as a coach and a pt nutritionist that you know in your in your lowest moments your is kind of a natural response almost for your body not to want to do the things that would help you in that moment i remember thinking we really need to get good nutritious food into her to be able to give her the energy to move her body and to think with clarity because you know um food is vital for the function of your brain it gives you energy to move and I remember that and you'll probably remember it too we went for a walk one day and you know we made it halfway up the road and you said I I need to turn back and it, it was a it was a really difficult moment where I thought this is going to take everything Jen's got to get through this um and the fact that we're here having this chat today and seeing you in the position you're in now it's just um amazing um and I want to touch on kind of what came as a result of that I also just want to mention that um sometimes 
you you don't feel it at the time but what you're going through the lowest point of what you're experiencing sometimes you have to go through that to get to some of the best parts and to unlock some of the best parts and some of the biggest um lessons of your life are learned in those moments and you take those on and things just so if anybody is listening to this and you're struggling or somebody who is close to you is struggling just support them support yourself get support um you know it's important for me to say that neither me or jenna medical professionals but if you are going through something please reach out to somebody and get help and we're going to touch a little bit more on jen's experience with reaching out for um for some support but so shortly after this time or or maybe potentially during this time obviously we were searching for answers we wanted to know why you were waking up in the mornings and your body was tightening into every muscle in your body would go rock hard wouldn't it and you wouldn't yeah. it was like you compressed into this tiny ball and that was what that was what would wake you up and yeah. I would burst in at the in the morning and this would be 4 a.m and we would try and focus on your breathing and it was like you were I could like feel every vertebrae slowly releasing from your spine to mm. return you to a not like normal. A, a, a normal posture, posture. Yeah, normal. Mm-hmm. and um so we were searching for answers left right and center and and eventually um at the age of 32 I don't sorry I don't want to say your age on here you're probably not at that point where you oh, care too much yet it's not like you're 55 yeah, sorry if you <laughs> sorry if you're 55 and listening to this I've just offended <laughs> anyone 55 and over you're not um, that old <laughs> But at the age of 32, which could be a very difficult time to be diagnosed with something, having lived the first 30, years, what, yeah. 32 years of your life without a diagnosis, to then be told that you ha- um, have bipolar disorder, um, that, that could be a very difficult time. So I guess, first of all, for anybody who's listening and, and doesn't quite know what bipolar disorder is, how is it kind of described? to you when at at first point and what are your kind of understandings of it now so I think it it was described well there's two types um and I've got bipolar two um which is the I wouldn't say the less severe because it's you know obviously there's still that element of severity with it uh, Um, the symptoms of it are slightly different so with bipolar one it's um you have your highs and your lows but your highs are uh, thought of as mania that's you know the the way it's described so Mm -hmm. within these times you may you know be rational in the sense of spending lots of money or going out and doing it's like risky behavior and putting yourself at risk that's part of bipolar one and um, bipolar two is in the the mania side is is described as hypomania which is where you still have highs but in those highs you enjoy you actually enjoy being in those highs and you are your most I don't know productive um in those highs like for me when I, I feel that as much as you know, like I, I obviously write mu- music and, and that generally com- comes at a time where I am 
you know, in that hypermania state because I feel more creative. I feel like my brain is more engaged. And he did say that to me at the time and that sort of sunk into place with me. But on the other side of that, so there's no risk behavior for me. You know, I'm not going out gambling or or putting myself in harm's way. But the the opposite end of that is um, that the lows are really low. So when I slip into a low state, they become quite dangerous um, in the sense of, you know, I mean, it's still a hard topic I don't think it's ever going to be something that's easy for me to to sort of just say and and be like well in the way of like suicidal thoughts and and you know thoughts of harming and those types of things so they're things that when I sit here now I can't comprehend because they never enter my mind because I'm you know even though I have this diagnosis there is still a normal, in inverted commas, side of me um, that is majority of the person that I am. And it's like we've always said, like, you know, mental health does not define you as a person. I am not bipolar. I just mm-hmm. have bipolar. And like, I think, you know, you can say I, I am bipolar mm-hmm. and mean you know the opposite or whatever but I think it's just knowing that these this diagnosis doesn't mean that you know I am any different or my Mm. personality is any different I'm still the exact same person that people know me as I just now have this diagnosis which to be fair was a bit of a godsend because I think it helped I know you want it you and to touch on that didn't you and, and it helped me in understanding my own mind a lot more um mm-hmm. and also giving the diagnosis was able to help my family as well and you know in explaining and giving them something that they could potentially research and, and look into and see the signs of and that was a massive weight off my shoulders because I finally felt like understood and that all these, you know, times of my life where I had been that low and struggled and battled um, for, you know, sometimes months on end, wasn't it? And you, Mm -hmm. you were the main solid sort of part of that, to be honest, there was no one else really in my life that knew that was happening at the time because I wasn't, I was going to say brave then, but I wasn't as willing to be open mm-hmm. um, about it. And I guess that in in that sense, it is being brave now. It's, it's definitely but, bravery. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it gives me that sense of, okay, right. This can be, this can, I can help myself now. I can, I can sort of research it and fi- figure out, you know, find out what, works for other bipolar sufferers if you if you like mm-hmm. um and see what works for them try it and see if it works for me um and that's you know where I'm up to really like I've done a lot of soul searching mm-hmm. um I've you know found a lot of 
ways to help myself, which has bettered me as a person. So there's a lot of, as much as I can't say, you know, there's, I, I do genu- genuinely feel that from every negative situation, there are positive things to come from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously being in those negatives, you can't always see that. So it's, it, yeah, it's one of those where, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, do you, I remember the, the first thing I said to you when you told me that you've been diagnosed with bipolar was exactly that um, it's not who you are and don't become a victim um, yeah, of it. Yeah. And, you know, you'll see people a lot and I'm not trying to go at anybody here, um, but you will see people say, well, my anxiety made me do this or my ang-, and they take ownership and they become that that symptom or they become that um disorder and it controls every single element of their life and I just remember saying to you Jen you are still completely you regardless of this diagnosis but Mm. I definitely wanted to touch on whether the diagnosis had helped because I really felt it had and as somebody who's in your support network it really helped us as well and I think Mm. it, it helped you in the sense that Prior to this, maybe there was this big question mark of why am I feeling, why am fe- why am I feeling this? Yeah. Why am I going through this? And suddenly there's something there that in the lowest points, it doesn't answer all the questions, but it's just um, a little bit of a weight off the shoulders of, okay, 100%. well, you know that your mood is going to swing, but you know that with the lows come highs and there will come another high. If you give it chance to, there will be highs and, and they're definitely worth sticking around mm-hmm. for. And one, I, I made a note during, um, I was listening, don't worry, but I made a note during the last <laughs> um, um, thing you said, because uh, it really um, sparked something in my mind that before there was a, you spoke about bravery maybe you weren't as brave to talk about um things that were going on but now with you I think you're really really keen on helping others and I think that that really helps you actually deal with your own um situation going on because if anybody follows you on Instagram and I know you've had lots of messages from people yeah saying saying the the way you the way you battle with it is is amazing you know you inspire me to get out of bed today the way you uh, and and you're always sharing positive things always yeah. posi- positive quotes motivational quotes and yes mm-hmm. that's for you but it's also for other people because you now mm-hmm. know how it can feel to be in certain positions and for yeah. you to then not just look inward at me 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 to then serve others I think has helped you massively. It helps others massively. And I think serving other people, because when you're dealing with something so difficult, um, and obviously I've had my own struggles, my yeah. outlet is always to try and serve others. And I'm not trying to make myself out to be Jesus here, but it's it's almost a selfish thing for me to do it. I've cut the beard. The wig is all over the show. If you're listening to this, <laughs> Um, it's uh, half six. I've woke up at half five to do this podcast because I'm currently living in Bali. Jen is in the UK. I'm eight hours ahead. 
I'm all over the gaff. <laughs> His eyes are like piss all in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to play Jesus. I just. It's almost a selfish thing that I know in my lowest moments, if I help other people, that it will help me. And mm. sometimes you can just get so internal and, and that's not always a bad thing. But sometimes look outwards because a lot of your yeah. a lot of your issues can be can be helped um there. Yeah. But um yeah, where did that come from that you know is it is it something you actively think of? I'm gonna try and help other people. Was it something that just started happening or I just think for me I know what it feels like to be, for probably want of a better word, trapped in that sort of mind or headspace of nobody's going to understand, nobody's going to get this. Why I do, and you know, like it's a it's a a hard and very very scary place to be when you feel that alone. And I think I wouldn't, you know, whether I know somebody and I, a lot of the people that reach out to me, you know, I don't know to call them a friend, um, like people who follow me, you know, it could be an acquaintance or somebody you've brushed shoulders with a couple of times and then they followed you, you know, it's that kind of, they're the majority of, of people that do reach out and, and the ones that you maybe think aren't watching. Mm-hmm. And that's where the old saying goes, you never know who's watching. You never know who you're inspiring. And I think originally it was more for me and more so that I could live authentically and openly and not feel like I was fitting in a box of what society or should we say the general public um, stigmatizes. And I just I refused I got to a point of just refusing point blank to be labeled as crazy inverted commas or you know like attention seeking that's another one that gets thrown about for people with mental health like Mm -hmm. it's it's hard because you don't know what anyone's thinking and unfortunately you know I don't care what anybody says majority of people do there is an element of caring what people think but I think for me it was it got to a point of I do care but what's more important and Mm -hmm. that's where it just got to you know getting like you say getting messages from people and and having conversations with people and hearing from people that I have helped them spurred me on but you are absolutely 100% right that it, it it helped me in the process helping them helped me mm-hmm. and so it's not completely selfless you know but at the same time you know I'd, I'd say 80% of it is for other people because I know what it feels like mm-hmm. and it's not a nice place to be misunderstood or alone or whatever it is you know it, it's difficult life mm-hmm. is difficult whether you suffer with mental health or not you have ups and downs. It's the natural way of, of life. But at the same time, when you've got this additional thing going on that 
you can't explain or you can't make sense of, finding somebody else that can make sense of it for you helps. So yeah, that I think for me that was my main reason as to why I wanted to share bits of my journey. And obviously there's things that I keep to myself, but majority mm-hmm. of it I am more than willing to have a conversation about now. Mm-hmm. You know, years ago I was part of the stigma. Mm-hmm. I really was like very much so in terms of what men- mental health meant in terms of medication in terms of you know anything that that came along because of having a mel- mental health condition I was mm. dead set against going to the GP yeah that kind of thing yeah I think it's it's amazing that you are willing to be open and vulnerable and uh, the people that have reached out to you um may not even be telling their family or friends about it and feel that they can speak to you because they can relate to you um Mm. and it might give them the strength to go and seek support and help or just feel like they're not uh alone uh on their journey and uh yeah I think I think that's amazing and and you touch briefly there on something that I wanted to go to next I don't want to go into it in too much detail but I, I I know that you've been taking medication for for quite a while now I think I wanted to know yeah. your your experiences you know has it has it helped um there's yeah. obviously I I know there's been times where you know switching medication has has not helped um but yeah ultimately what's your kind of overview of it how do you look at it and again just for anybody listening um this can be uh, quite a um separating topic where some people are really for it and some people are against it by no means are we trying to jump on one side of Wait, the fence yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. all it's all from jen's experience so yeah yeah what? for me um like i touched upon um previous at the beginning well the main thing that was sort of thrown in my direction when speaking to the GP was you're depressed here's medication and and I think you know that that is sort of the way in which GPs work um and at the beginning it was a dead no for me like I was petrified of it and I don't know why I thought it was going to change you know elements of me that maybe I didn't want to change or it was going to do something to my brain or whatever it might have been but I just was maybe 17 or 18 at that time and um I just wasn't I wasn't speaking to anybody about it at that time so it was hard to then think about you know I wasn't speaking to mum and dad and usually yeah 18 year class as an adult but I think you still want that sort of reassurance from somebody that you're doing the right thing um so I wasn't willing at that time and then I think I got to I think I was 20 taking antidepressants um obviously that was before I got my bipolar diagnosis but um yeah I think it was about 23 or 24 and um the they did help they did but they made me extremely tired um, to begin with whilst getting on them. Um, almost couldn't function for a while properly because my brain just felt 
all over the place whilst it was balancing itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, because the first ones didn't agree with me and then found ones that worked for a while. But obviously in the lead up to getting this diagnosis, I was very, I would take them and then I would get to a point where I was like, right, I'm okay now. And I'd stop. And then I'd make, you know, that became a bit of a routine for me because I knew best. Um, And I think that was more so not having the diagnosis because I'm thinking in my head, well, you know, maybe I don't need them now. Maybe it's just a temporary thing and maybe it's just seasonal depression or, you know, it's just situational depression or, you know, the, the anxiety and things come come on suddenly and it was like yeah I was making the choices um without the guidance and you Mm. know obviously went to therapy and things like that but the therapist can't guide you on the medication you're taking that's down to yourself and your GP and obviously whoever you speak to about it um but then coming on to sort of recent months I've been taking medication for bipolar since March and as you well know, like in the beginning, I was taking sertraline as well at the time. Well, I still take the both of them together. Um, but in the beginning, I think when I first started taking the medication, I was what well, I was. I think I was just bored in seven stones. So I was the the lightest I've ever been, and very frail, and no muscle, no nothing. Like my body was like you mentioned for. Yeah, it was wanting to shut down with what was going on. Um, and then all of a sudden I started taking this medication and I think within about two weeks, uh, I'd put on about four stone. The plates of food I was bringing you were, were no longer big enough. <laughs> I was like, mate, you need to get a basin out. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it coming. Wings. I, I had to put on an all-you-can-eat buffet for, for two months. <laughs> You remember that time at Mum's where she brought out the apple crumble after a Sunday roast and it didn't even touch the table and had me spoon yeah, in it. Had, and that yeah, was around that time. You had your, your so, face yeah. in it. <laughs> but yeah, that was like that was like a real change around. Um and I think that's the side effect. So that was sort of maybe having the opposite effect with me because mm-hmm. it was getting in my head like all of a sudden I'd gone from being so tiny to like probably the heaviest that I'd been in years and it was it felt like it happened overnight mm. like all of a sudden my clothes were too tight and, and like you know that, that that type of thing started to have maybe the adverse effect on me for a little bit but then it's having those mental conversations with yourself that it's either this mm. or where I was at the beginning of this year yeah and I you know 100% know which one I would prefer like mm. I'm level it's leveled out now yeah I'm still you know bigger than what I was at the beginning of the year bigger than what I was sort of even at the beginning of last year but I'm healthy I'm happy Mm. and it's you know that medication has aided me in leveling out and and I'm now at a point where this time of year usually is quite difficult for me. I, I genuinely feel mixed in with all of this. And, you know, obviously I've not been diagnosed, but I feel like SAD, so seasonal affective disorder, is is a thing for me. Like mm-hmm. the shorter days, the 
you know, not as much sunlight, that kind of thing does have an impact on me. Yet this time of year, for the first time in I don't know how many years, I'm thriving and I'm happy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, every day I'm waking up with purpose and with that feeling of like, and don't get me wrong, you know, I still have symptoms. I still have down days. I still have moments where my mind is, you know, battling itself. But through the lessons that I've learned this year, mainly Mm -hmm. about my own strength, I, I know my triggers. I know how to handle myself a lot better. And mm-hmm. I now know that I have people that I can talk to mm-hmm. like any time of day. Like I have those people and that's because I've included them and, you know, allowed them in on, on something very personal, but also very necessary. Um, I think yeah. if, you, if you were to compare um, your position at this time last year to the position you're in now, it's, chalk and cheese it's the contrast is almost uh unimaginable um if you stood me next to that that person at the beginning of the year and you you would think it was two you you would think it's two different people like looks wise but like mainly personality wise like I couldn't hold a conversation Mm -hmm. I couldn't you know I found it very difficult to have a shower brush my teeth you know, brush my hair. Like, if it wasn't for having, the, like, you know, you and mum and Chris and Lauren around me to make sure I was doing the basic things that, you know, you, you sort of maybe not take for granted, but, you know, you don't even think about doing on a normal day to day today. Habits that are it's so deeply crazy. ingrained, you almost don't uh, have yeah. to think about them you don't to perform think about them. them. They just mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. And suddenly you've kind of yeah lost that that. instinct to do it. Mm. Um, Yeah, they're they're complete contrasts, and um, yeah, it's been such an amazing journey to watch you thrive throughout this year and to see where you're at now. I just I think it would be really useful if there was somebody listening to this who's kind of starting out on not starting out. It makes that makes it sound like it's a choice, but just kind of coming into their journey with mental health and their own situation what are the things that have helped you the most over the years um it probably sounds like you've paid me to say this but exercise yeah <laughs> yeah I'll, split, I'll give you i'll send you that split tenor over. Time, mate, <laughs> um, exercise is, is a big one because i think mm-hmm. what i always find is as much as at the time, you know, when I'm I'm real low, I I, I doesn't I can't even think about in the the simple things. So exercise when I'm in the thick of it is probably not something that I can do. But when when I'm coming out the other side, and I have that all of a sudden, it, there's like a a ball of like energy where I go right. I need to do something for me now exercise tends to be the first thing that I think of obviously you know you go and you don't always want to go but you come out feeling better and there's all I always remember remember that so a lot more of when I'm I'm, I'm in those um head spaces or coming out of those head spaces um, meditation has been a godsend and something that you know just taking that time out to to focus um 
you know, and not always shutting everything out of my mind. Sometimes meditation is is actually 101 thoughts going through your mind, but it's having that strength and that power to be able to bring it back to your breath or bring it back to silence. And that, for me, is... is yeah, um, obviously my dogs. Like, there's... I just... I can't, without sounding like the crazy dog lady, like, (laughs) yeah, it it is mental how much um, just having them there and, and, you know, as much as I might not have at times wanted to look after myself, I think definitely with Rocky anyway, he forced me out of that house to take him for a walk because he would sit at the front door barking and it was like, wanted to give it to him so yeah it was putting him first above myself but sometimes doing that forces you to go out of the house forces you to get some air in your lungs and you know have a walk in nature and then you're coming back feeling like well why couldn't I have done that for me rather than have been forced out by my dog it comes back um, to that uh serving others again doesn't it that falls yeah, under that yeah, category it, of Dogs, humans, like it's mm. it's all the same. Like animals, yeah, it, it is. It definitely is. But you know, I'd come back. Um, yeah, I, I think they are the three main things. I, I, being obviously around you guys and and family became very important, and obviously still is. But at that time, I always felt like if I wasn't seeing you or seeing mum or like being at mum's house and having that sense of belonging, that something was missing. So having that, um, I guess, brought me back to life in in a sense. It really did. And, And just feeling like all of a sudden, you know, I've gone from hiding these things from family and friends to it's, it's sort of a bit like what's the word I'm looking for um well what's the word I'm bloody looking for now they basically re, it, it just gives me that revived is that the right even even yeah. the right word revitalized like, maybe yeah yeah it did it was like just just being able to speak to somebody and and know that you know even if I'd spoke to people before there was more of an understanding now for everybody including me mm-hmm. so that you know having that um, massively helped yeah um but those are the main things I think really yeah yeah and and um you actually mentioned something earlier you actually mentioned it uh in reference to medication but I I I thought it was something that needs to be said quite often when um, things are going well, people stop doing the things that helped them at that moment. Um, You know, Mm. we we meditate when we're not feeling so good. And then when we're going through a phase of, oh, well, everything's all good. We stop meditating or we stop exercising as much or whatever it might be that's helped you in that moment. And I just want to stress the importance of keep, keeping doing the things that have helped you come out of uh, a place when things go well yeah it's like stretching a muscle it's like prehab stretching a muscle before you go to the gym 
you're making sure that there's no injuries down the line. And that's what Mm -hmm. doing those things, regardless of if you're feeling low or not, is Mm -hmm. is basically doing for you. Um, So I think you you touched on it a little bit and and the next thing i want to talk about because i think this is a major issue with a lot of people going through um struggles with mental health is a lot of the time they either lose or don't have um purpose in their lives they um have maybe just shrunk into a small comfort zone that they struggle to poke their toe out of because anything seems like a a really big task and that's a really scary place to be in but um it it can lead to losing purpose and there's a strong correlation between a lack of purpose and depression and uh Mm -hmm. anxiety and I think what I've seen from you this year has been massively based around finding purpose so Mm -hmm after the the lowest point which we've already touched on um there was a a kind of a stage I'd say of finding your new normal what's life going to be like for you now I've been diagnosed with bipolar I'm taking new medication am I going to go back to um my old job nine to five yeah yeah what's what's it going to be and um you know doing what I do I've always said to you that try and find something that you love and I know it's not possible for everybody but if you can find a job that you love waking up to do you know and it and it puts food on the table then Mm. do it do it because it's one of the best things you can ever do and um, so when you approach me with the idea of starting your own doggy daycare like I think I feel like it's important to say that we're like our whole family is pretty much crazy I was going to say crazy dog ladies, but crazy, a crazy, a crazy dog family. Like these days you can find me strolling up and down the beaches of Bali trying to stroke stray dogs, but none of them want to know unless you've got a bit of meat in your hand. So it's been difficult here. I know you're going to be like, you're living in Bali, mate, but none of the dogs want to know me. So it's been a bit rough. Um, but our dad was a dog trainer in the police. Um, we, he's, he's instilled that into us he's just created this love of dogs that just is so strong and and our our need for them and what they bring to our lives is so huge that when Mm. you came to me with the idea of starting your own doggy daycare I said do it and I'd had straight away straight away we we discussed the name for it and I paid my graphic designer to create you a logo within a week and I said this is me supporting you go and do it and um just yeah how did that come about and what's it done for you going from a nine to five which we should mention it was a good job they were really really respectful of your mental Mm. health but it wasn't fueling you the way that this is now so what's it done for you finding finding that job and and I mean it has been the most amazing thing to happen really and I think at the beginning for some reason I was very nervous about sort of approaching the subject with like you and mum and wondering whether you would back me on it and or think it was a daft idea or whatever and I think I just took the plunge didn't I after having that conversation with you and you saying yeah just just do it and took the plunge and and you know made it happen 
And it it sort of come off the back of, obviously lockdown's been a challenge and I think everybody or find a hobby or, you know, that like the beginning of lockdown. And for me, it forced me to think about things from a different perspective, which probably is essentially what led me down the path of the worst sort of episode, shall we say, of, of my life to mm. date. Um, because I was so heavily thinking about it and I was so heavily sort of anxious about where I was at in life anyway. And then when I was low, um, you know, obviously I, w- I wasn't working. I was on long-term sick and I was trying to do the minimal to keep my brain ticking over. And, and I think one of my friends had asked me to go around and check in. And on the moment, how happy they they do actually make me and not just my own dogs but other people's dogs as well and <laughs> I'd thought about the prospects of opening a doggy daycare loads of times but just now put th- put pen to paper and figured out how much I would need to get it going and before I knew it I was doing it and it has honestly been the the best experience for me today purpose um and yeah it, it's, it's i don't know it, it's hard to put into words really because of the contrast of where i was at the beginning of this year to where i am now so it is very difficult to actually think of it and and how to explain it but it it, it has done me the world of good and it's almost like, and I don't want to obviously tempt fate with this, but it's almost like, you know, I'm I'm at a point where I've had this time. I have purpose. Like I've I've done the work to get myself to the point that I'm at now. And like the happiness is genuine happiness. Mm. It feels so sincere and so real which is maybe, you know, in previous years, I've I've probably faked a lot of happiness mm. to try and fall into the pattern of feeling happy. I've acted happy mm-hmm. and it isn't that anymore. It's not, not that fake. It doesn't feel like forced. It feels like this is where I'm at in life and good things are happening. Mm. And you know, I did not think for a second that I would be able to say that at the beginning of this year. Yeah, so it's it's been a huge, huge, it's uh, been a huge year. Yeah, roller coaster ride. 2021 is going to be my year, <laughs> yeah. and um, and I mean, it's it's definitely been that in more ways than one. Um, but there's many things that have have contributed the the having purpose and and you know, starting the business and looking at ways of growing the business, that kind of thing has, has been a godsend. Mm-hmm. Nothing more. Godsend. I, w- I would recommend anybody, whether it's starting a side hustle, 
find something you're passionate about it might be volunteering mm. it, it might not it might not be for monetary gain it might be volunteering it might be um baking cakes on a Saturday or something like that a, you know a what new I mean? yeah, yeah a new hobby I would I would just implore you to try new things to to you know maybe there's something you thought about but you you're either too scared or you know you you've just never took the plunge to get out of your comfort zone if if there is that little thing and, and that thing has come to your mind now with us speaking about that please go and uh please go and explore that further because what it could potentially bring, bring to your life yeah research it and and you find that when you start to actually think about it and you start to believe that it can happen like it's more likely to happen when you have those thoughts of right well if I do this that'll lead to this and mm -hmm. that'll open doors for this and it's it, it is it's just it, putting maybe you would be scared of and just like pushing past that little boundary that you've set for yourself I guess um but yeah it's it's paid off to say yeah. the least like and I think that that caps things nicely from the, the the journey of starting out and and really first um hearing and, and experiencing struggles with mental health to mm. going going through your lowest point to now what I think is is one of the most sustained and yeah. happy periods that I've seen from you in in a really long time and it just happens to be when I've left the country so but you know maybe know it must have been me um <laughs> but um once again Jen thank you for coming on and being so open and honest right. I think everybody is going to take loads of value from this um yeah. it's been amazing um thank you again for just uh yeah no, not hold, not... not holding back okay well that's it for this episode i hope you've enjoyed it and taken loads of value from it um yeah take care and i'll speak to you all soon Sarah. <laughs>